0: Guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another The Arsenio Buck Show podcast. And today I'm going to be talking about holding others accountable and the trust tips. Guys, it's vastly important to understand how much accountability can actually build that trust in culture. See, it's like when leaders, when they don't hold people accountable, the opposite is true. People feel it's unfair. Well, look what he did. He got all free. It creates a sense of disappointment, inequity, insecurity. It's so funny because now that I actually say that, I've thought about so many events that have occurred in America, not only the past three years, but in the past year with different people not being held accountable for what they have done. And you know what? This always happens. But this is why so many people just do not trust their governments. Yes, if you live in the likes of Bhutan... Uh, if you live in Denmark, if you live in Finland, you guys have more, and of course, Singapore, you guys will be like, okay, I absolutely trust my government because basically they are congruent with what they do, what they think, what they say, how they act, it all relates. But when you look at other countries, even America, and especially where I live now, none of that, I mean, there's no accountability whatsoever. It's its just, it's shocking. But you know what? You see this a lot in families, Where discipline is inconsistent, where a parent will hold one child accountable for, or, you know, versus the other. And this is what happened to me. Before I get into, of course, the trust tips, guys, there was a fight. 2003, as a matter of fact. My brother, he was a senior in high school. Okay, we're at band practice. I was in marching band. I was a baritone player. Loved it. Still love it to this day. I love music. Music runs deep in my veins. And so, with my brother, I told him. Uh, I can't remember what happened that specific night. But I remember we were standing out there on the field maybe around 6, 7 p.m. Of course, band practice was from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. And next thing you know, my brother got very belligerent, as he does. And he he tried fighting me. And it's because he said something. I said something back like, dude, mind your business. And, of course, he wants to have that power like I told you in the Alpha Mask in those podcasts a very, very long time ago. And he tried running up to me. And he tried confronting me in a very physical way like he normally does well the thing is after practice he hurry up and zoomed home so he could tell my mother his side of the story so by the time i got home they teamed up on me and literally that was the night i ran away i ran away for a night and you know what's even more shocking my mom didn't give a fuck like i remember i came home that next day and i don't remember what i wore to even i don't remember what i wore to school or anything but it's just amazing that a parent would be like oh my god my son didn't come home tonight or last night and he's at the age of 14 or was he or 15 at the time and so you could see that some parents and my mom i think she was scared of my brother she was scared because my brother has such an overbearing voice it's kind of like the movie fences if you guys have watched that movie that father the role that denzel washington played he had such a voice that whatever he said that's what it was, and so that's basically what my brother was to my mom. My mom didn't have control over him for a very, very long time. Hell, not even my father, and so this, these were some of the issues that my brother had and still, of course, harbors within his mind today that he just doesn't want to confront, but this is one of the growing issues, of course, and this is what breeds that emotional detachment, that emotional bank account becomes overdrawn. And so you could see how that could hamper a child's growth. You know, if you always say something, but your older brother says this and you try pointing to your mom and your mom says no. And she always agrees with your older brother. You could see what happens. And so, again, I mean, what can you do? Well, hold both of them accountable. That's number one. So if I were to walk into that house that specific evening and give my side of the story, my mom should have at least sat down and heard me. Without my brother being there, because my brother be like, nah, hell no, nah, hell no, nah, nigga, hell no, nah, nigga. That's what my brother says. That's what my brother is, right? I'm telling you, that's the definition of ignorance, right? But my mom could have said, Stephen, you get upstairs right now don't say a word. Don't say a damn word. And if my mother was that strong, those words should work. And then she would say, okay, now you tell me your side of the story. And then after that, she could bring my brother downstairs and said, I heard both sides of the stories and it looks like both of you are at fault. So both of you will apologize to each other right now, and that'll be the end of it. And I don't want to hear another word about this. Sorry, sorry. Excellent. All right. Good evening. That's how it should be done. And so, again, you could go into more deeper conversations, but my mom, instead, she teamed up on me with my brother, didn't hold him accountable whatsoever, and then I ran away for a night without her giving a damn. And again, what if I didn't come home that other day? The other night? What if I just ran away permanently? And these were the, the emotional withdrawals that I went through 2003 that developed a sense of anger in me. You know, I ended up playing a lot of video games like Blitz 2003, if you guys heard of that. And I remember that was the last time in the month of December, that was the last time I ever played that video game or a video game with my brother ever. Because he always wanted to fight me. And I remember it was a 49 to 47 ga- uh, game. I missed a field goal in Blitz 2003. My brother celebrated as if he won the gold medal at the Olympics because he wanted to fight. And I remember I made in my head right then and there, I will never play a game with him again because I know he wants fist to fly because that's his nature. And I remember I ended up going through a lot of emotional withdrawals, not only at home, but at school too. And this created a lot of anger because every time I played the video game, I would get very angry, I would cry, and I would slam the controller. I remember I would watch uh, – at the time, i cheered for North Carolina, the university basketball team. And every time they lost, I would get – oh, my God, I would lose it. I would go upstairs, and remember I told you guys. That was the moment my mother looked at her friend and said, I think something's wrong with my son. But I found an outlet for that, and it was track and field. And when I got to track and field, a lot of this went away. My brother didn't go away. My brother just ended up being who he was for the longest, right? Uh, Unsupportive human being. But you know what? Those moments, I realized I could buck the trend. I could see myself, my downfall, but me also overcoming that entire process. And you know what? It didn't come from holding it, – it, it did – well, of course, I didn't know about – Holding myself accountable at that time, I didn't know what accountability meant. But you know what I told myself? I said, you know what, right here, right now, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to go into track and field and I'm going to use all of what has happened to me in the last five months in a proactive way. And all that anger and this and that, it left me. It left me completely. And that's what I'm so grateful for. So you can see some of the emotional withdrawals in the emotional bank account uh, in terms of family life. So now I'm going to go over these trust tips right now. Number one, listen to your language and your thoughts. See, when things go wrong and you find yourself blaming or accusing others, you need to stop. Draw back and ask yourself, how can I close the window and focus on the mirror? Oh, I love that saying. I love that saying. Bless your soul, Stephen Covey, because you know what? That just means so much. It's kind of like what just happened to me recently, and it's really, really funny how this all happened. Uh, This just happened two days ago. I flew back in from Singapore, and boom, I was stopped at immigration. The guy asked me, what do you do here? I said, I'm a teacher. I'm going to go get my visa next week, and then he wasn't having it. He didn't really care, and he brought over another assistant to take my passport, and it was one lady that was just giving me a dirty, oh, you're a Nigerian scammer look. And I'm laughing. I'm like, really, guys? Seriously? I'm the bad one? So she started asking all the questions in the world. And my my story was straightforward. There was nothing weird about it. And then she, wanted, she was like, do you have a tag from your school or something indicating that you work there? And I'm like, you don't understand. I can't work there without having a visa and work permit. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to make me say that I do work there without a visa and a work permit. You can't do that. And so... Again, I had her call the director of the school. After that, she said, listen, you were stopped because you've come in and out too many times. And that." And she said, for your safety, you need to get another the, the non-B visa, the working visa. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. See, at the time, now let me give you an example of how this all happened. Now, I was standing in a line. I looked to my right. The line was much shorter. What happened? I ended up switching lines. In the process, I split my pants. Guys, I was commando. Yes, for those of you out there in America, commando means I had no draws. Why weren't you wearing draws that day, Arsenio? Well, guess what? Those pants were just too tight. I've grown out of them because I'm a beast now. And so here I am with air breezing right through my ass, okay? I could give a damn about being stopped at immigration, But you know what? If I hadn't, if I didn't make that decision right then and there, if I made the decision to just stay in this line, guess what would have happened? Nothing. Nothing. But you know what? I switched lines. And when I switched lines, that's exactly what happened. I got a tore up ass. Okay, I got wind blowing right through my ass. And then that, of course, I ended up walking up to uh, the immigration place where I got stopped, and then she asked me some, you know, you know, normalized questions. But who's accountable? I'm accountable because if I hadn't left that line, who knows what would have happened. But because I left that line, it's okay. I sat down, and why didn't you? Why haven't you gotten your visa? Uh, well, I'm accountable. One, because I just don't want to pay all that goddamn money. Straight up, she's like, okay, you can just go to another school and get it. I was like, these schools don't hire black people. She's like, no, and of course, you know, Thai people, they love to quickly say, no, no, no racist. No, no, come on, stop it, stop it, because y'all probably pulled me aside. But I couldn't say that, because there were a few other white people around there. I was like, oh, well, I guess you guys aren't that racist. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying. I see African people get pulled from these lines all the time, and it's disgusting. And so, again, throughout that process, I looked myself in the mirror, and I said, Arsenio, You need to think about this. You just spent 700, 800 US dollars on this Singapore trip when you could have had that exact money and you could have got your visa and everything instead of prolonging the inevitable. So I'm accountable, 100%. It ain't their fault. It ain't the racist fault. It ain't the gods of racism fault. It's no one's fault but I. I ripped my pants. I went to another line. I got stopped. They asked me questions. It's me. I could have gotten this visa a hell of a long time ago, but I've been prolonging it. Why? Because I... I just felt like I didn't have to pay that. But now it's like, ooh, well, who knows what would have happened if you would have never gotten in contact with that specific person. They would have held you at the airport, and who knows what would have happened. So I'm grateful that it was a big wake-up call. But you know what? i tell you one thing. The next time I go out on vacation with that new V, all that, you know, the work permit, the visa and everything, I swear if they sit me there and they ask me any goddamn questions, I'm going to call them out on their bullshit and I'm going to cuss them the fuck. It's going to get real nasty because you can no longer question me. Yep, re-entry right there. Yes, hurry up. Let's go. Good. Thank you. I don't want any questions. When I leave the country, it's no problem. It's when you come in. But when you come in and you have a visa and they look at it and they see, oh, boom, 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 it's normally very quick. No questions asked. But anyways, I brought that upon myself. I'm accountable for that 1,000%. And guys, this is what's going on. Instead of looking out the window and saying, you racist, you pulled me out of the line because I'm black. That's bullshit because there was a white couple standing there and they ended up putting them through hell. There was another white guy standing there and then there was another Chinese guy. It it was – but you know what? Those officers, they were absolutely amazing. They were wonderful. We had – you heard me talking about the private school and everything. We ended up having a chat. She's like, why aren't you back in America? I was like, because there's no opportunity in America. She didn't quite understand that. And I was like – Thailand's more centrally located. I want to be an accelerated English coach in both in Japan, Hong Kong, Dubai, and other countries. That's what my intent and my goal is. And then she realized, oh, wow, this guy's really good. And so from there, of course, you know, we just had a general conversation. She's like, please, just, just get your non-B. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to get started with the process. So I hurry up, called the guy. I said, hey, man, go call this place. He called her. I said, hey, I'm just going to get all the documents prepared right now for everything. All right? I'm not going to waste any time. Within about two weeks' time, we'll go down there, get this thing. I pay everything. I don't give a damn about money anymore. I just, just want to stop all this foolishness. So that's what you do. You see guys, I was sitting there and I'm this is going to be a long one. Well, you know what I'm saying? You got to hold yourself accountable. You hold others accountable, all right? But you got to hold yourself accountable too. And I completely lost my thought. I don't know what I was saying. Uh, but at that same token, it's amazing how everything comes into it just comes into full circle because I realize so many things about me keeping my cool at those immigration lines, not going to my phone and messaging, me just asking her straight up with no nervousness, no sweaty palms, no nothing, and then me sitting down and asking her nicely, "Uh, can you tell me what's going on right now? And she was like, yeah, well, they stopped you because you've been coming in and out, in and out, in and out. And you know what? I could even trace this back and not hold myself accountable and say, oh, yeah, that that punk-ass lady that I made that podcast about, Over there at the main immigration house. She's probably the one that put a message in there saying if he come in again, stop him and ask him questions and see what the hell he's doing here. But again, is it her fault or is it my fault? If I had gotten the visa to begin with, no questions asked. Why did you prolong it? Thought it was a steep price tag. Now look what happened. Okay, Arsenio, are you accountable? 1,000%. What are you going to do now? Ah, you see, guys? It's a process. What are the results? What can I do right now to get out of this hole? All right, let's get the hell out. Let's hurry up and get everything down packed in terms of getting all the paperwork. Get your new visa, and that's the end of it. I won't have to travel so often anymore. I could take real, of course, real trips here and there. You know, if there's like a three, four day weekend, I could hurry up and pop out a little bit and go to Singapore or go to another place. See what I mean? See, guys, this is what you do. You got to look in the mirror, man. And I thought that was a beautiful thing that Stephen Covey said. See, in your mind, you got to compare the difference in establishing trust between an approach of blaming and pointing fingers versus an approach of taking personal responsibility. I could blame that lady. I could go back and say, hey, you were the one, you put a message in the system. What you put in the system? He probably looked at the system. And he's like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand. How are you going to be a teacher on a 30-day visa? She asked the questions. I could go so far and blame, 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 blame. I could blame the Thai culture. I could blame the Thai customs. I could blame all of that shit that I've been blaming for the last six years. Or I could just sit there and say, Arsenio, if you didn't get your v, if you couldn't, if you could have just gotten your visa last year, you would have went right through immigration with your pants. Oh, no, your pants still would have been ripped, but you, you would have been able to go through immigration. Do you guys see what I'm saying? So let's get into number two. See, at work. You got to practice accountability by holding your direct reports accountable for their actions. See, always clarify the expectations first, just so that everyone knows what they're accountable for and by when. When people account to you, allow them to evaluate themselves first against the results you're agreed upon. So basically, a lady said, excuse me, Arsenio, the CEO of this company, he wants to know when those course reports are going to be finished. I'm going to say, done tonight. Guess what? sent into her t- that, that evening, Okay. You clarified. I Well, I re-clarified. I gave you a deadline. Deadline commenced. Deadline finished. Done. See, remember the people you rely on the most in your company, the performers? See, they kind of like to be held accountable and want others to be held accountable too. So if one person says something, the other one says something, what happened at work recently? Ah, that's right. But there, there must have been uh, a miscommunication between uh, I and one of the staff members, and I was like, "Hey, I said I'm free Wednesday." She's like, "Oh no, I heard you say this." I'm like, "Okay, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I ain't gotta come here. I could do something else." See what I mean? Because if this is a miscommunication, you're not able to trace back exactly what was said, or if it's not in fine print, just say, "Hey, both of us are accountable." I don't have to tell her that she's accountable, but I know both of us are in the wrong because there was a miscommunication, a breakdown in communication, therefore the both of us hate that it is what it is. See, you need to look for ways to create an environment of accountability at home. See, set up trust talks. It could be with your partner, your son, your daughter, whatever, okay? Things that you could work on. Talk about finances. One of my friends, she's awesome. I came back home and, you know, I I told her. I, I said, hey, listen, um, I'm going to be away for a few days. Can you water my plants? Because I don't want them to be without water. My babies are growing so big. I got myself a palm tree and something else. I'm sorry, not a palm tree. I'm tripping. <laughs> a sunflower. And so with this sunflower, I think they've stopped drilling. They've been drilling for like six hours already. I think they finally stopped. Are you guys done? But at least it's not too loud anymore. Anyways. Not only did I come home but she exceeded my expectations. She cleaned out everything for me. I was almost in tears. That was the cleanest I've ever seen anything period in my life. My my everything is fold, uh, folded in my in my closet. Everything is perfect. And so I'm like, "Wow." And I just said, you know what? Thank you, 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 So, of course, I said, oh, my God, I owe you so much. And she's just like, oh, no, it's okay. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No one's ever done that for me, ever. So that's something that, you know, it's just the things that you can work on as a relationship is exceeding expectations. I never thought for one second something like that would happen. And so, when it comes to, like, finances, you gotta be straightforward. There's been a couple of times she's come over, watched some movies and stuff like that, and she's always bought dinner. And I'm like, man, and and to myself, I'm like, come on, Arsenio. You can get something. And so, after she cleaned that, I asked her, I said, hey, so what's on the menu for tonight? What you want? Dinner on me. You ain't getting a goddamn thing. You know what I'm saying? And so, that's what, and it's not because I feel obligated. It's the fact that, I feel that I need to do more. You see? And that's the feeling I have. And it's not a match. It's not a tennis match. It's not a tether match. It's not who could do more. And then point fingers at each other saying, I did more in this relationship. That happened to me eight years ago with Beatrice from Mauritius. Can you imagine? I cannot believe I dated a Mauritian girl. But I remember our last argument, which was foolish as hell. I didn't know anything about personal development at the age of 23. Okay. But she was like, oh, I did this in this relationship. I did this. She's like, yeah, that, yeah, it was just a blame game at night. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm leaving tomorrow and that's the end of it. And so I ended up moving from Melbourne to Sydney and I never spoke to her again. I mean, it is what it is, okay? When you're young, you do young things. But um, that's what sucks. At the very, very end, when people start pointing fingers and said, I did more in this relationship than you, that's unfair. That's a road that you never want to take. But to have and to set up those trust talks at the beginning or on a weekly basis, biweekly or monthly basis saying, okay, do you feel like everything? Okay, how about the finances, this, that? See, that works. See, you got to create agreements with your children, your spouse, your this, your that, whoever under the household concerning those responsibilities and you know, going over how you could work together on things such as finance. And you know what? If you have children, include those consequences, you know? both natural and logical, both good and bad. Follow through with those agreements. Give family members uh, a person and a culture they can trust. That's the most important part, people. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for tuning into a very, very long podcast. Of course, by your host Arsenio, man, we're going to be getting into the needy-greedy of more. So stay tuned for that. And guys, I hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, like it, share it, uh, whatever you may do and may you, you may want to do, I'm just grateful for you guys having, I'm, well, I'm just grateful that I have your guys' ear. So with that being said, stay tuned for more. I'm your host Arsenio, over and out.